Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Generation Broadway. As always, I am your host, Jillian Kidd. I'm so pumped to be here. This week, we are on part two of our musical theater songs series. So this week, we're going over the songs that I tend to skip from the musicals I really love. Last week, we talked about the songs I like for musicals I don't like. And if you missed that episode, be sure to check it out. But yeah, this week we're going over songs I didn't really like. And to be honest with you guys, this was kind of a hard thing to do. You know, I only have four songs and I definitely, I think, had five or six maybe for the songs I like for musicals I don't. And it was like, I was really racking my brain trying to come up with what to do and what to talk about. I don't have, kind of looking at this too, like I don't have any Dear Evan Hansen, I don't have any Hamilton. And as a whole, I think that kind of shows what to me is a good shows it what a good musical would be in my opinion like I think it made me look at how I value songs I think if the song if the musical has really good songs in it then I tend to like it more whereas if the songs as a whole aren't that great I'm maybe a bit more critical of it uh so that was an interesting thing to kind of look at this week and was super interesting and something I definitely haven't thought about so basically what I'm doing this week is just the same as last time. I'm going to go, I'll say the name of the show and the name of the song that I'm talking about. And then I'm going to go over what specifically I don't like about the song and then what I love about the show. So for a couple of these, I know I mentioned them um, in my episode about my top five, top five favorite musicals. And that has a more in-depth look at the show and rather than just like one song in comparison to everything else. So if you want to hear more about those, be sure to check out that episode. And yeah, without further ado, let's get right into things. Alrighty, up first we have We Look To You from The Prom. So I don't really necessarily love the storyline that the We Look To You incorporates into The Prom. Um... I think it's very forced. It's, it's encouraging this relationship between the characters of Dee Dee and Mr. Hawkins. But I feel like, first of all, I feel like that relationship as a whole is pretty forced. But second of all, I feel like this song specifically kind of goes against Dee Dee's character arc. Because her whole idea and her whole being in the show is learning to be a good person. Because she spent her whole life being inflated and being told that she's amazing. Uh, and she is coming to Indiana and helping Emma and Alyssa to be a better person um, and to get like personal gain, but also she learns to be a better person. And this song, which is admittedly earlier in the show, so she's not quite where she would be character. She's not, she hasn't developed as a character fully yet, but she still is slowly becoming better. And this song kind of just cuts back on that because it goes from her slightly showing empathy and slightly showing that she can be a good person to Mr. Hawkins sitting her down and being like Broadway is the best and you're amazing and you help me escape from my everyday life which like yes Broadway does that but all it's doing is inflating her ego again and pushing her back to the person she was and I just feel like that's not something that's really helping move the plot forward in the show it kind of regresses a lot um and like I said, I really also just don't really love the relationship between the two characters. I think 
that time that's time that could have been spent developing Emma and Alyssa or anything else in the story I don't think this was necessarily needed as a subplot especially because they only really give two songs to the show to this romance and one of the songs is We Look to You where it's exclusively just Mr. Hawkins telling Dee Dee Allen how great she is so it's a very one-sided um conversation and one-sided part of their relationship which I think is a big flaw um and kind of beyond that just as a whole I think it really, this song really pulls you out of the musical a little bit. So you have, right before it, You Have You Happened, which is this big promposal scene. Everyone's happy, dance number. And then right after that, You Have Tonight Belongs to You, which is a very, again, happy, upbeat. Everyone's getting ready for prom, super exciting, energetic vibes. And then in the dead middle of those two songs is We Look to You, where Mr. Hawkins is complaining about his life and saying that Dee Dee is great. So it doesn't, and it doesn't really flow in that well, you know, like it's, I think it's definitely like it's forced in there. Um, and it's forced in there. I think in my opinion, it's there to give Mr. Hawkins a character story and a plot line other than just supporting Emma, which really is ultimately what aggravates me. He didn't need this. He could have, he would have been a great character if he was just there supporting Emma and he wasn't kind of helping out more, kind of including then. His, he's in it for his own pers- personal gain. He would have been a way better character if he was just there helping Emma because it's the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm very conflicted about that song. <laughs> but as a whole, I love the musical. I love the prom so much. I listen to it every day. It is so encouraging and overwhelming, and, like, it's very warm, if that makes sense. Like, it's very, like happy um and unruly hearts is such a phenomenal song i really highly recommend checking it out it makes me cry it's so wonderfully done um and i think this musical is just so inclusive and i know that broadway is pegged as this area that is a really inclusive and welcoming environment and it definitely can be and i would argue that it probably is more inclusive than areas uh, mediums like movies and television but that doesn't mean it's perfect, and that doesn't mean it's definitely as inclusive as it could be. I think Broadway has a history of being really inclusive to gay men, and that's essentially it. So having more stories that are uh, lesbian relationships or bisexual relationships or anything within the LGBTQ plus community that isn't just gay is amazing. And this show does such a great job of highlighting that. Um, this show also is a really good job of, like, featuring people of color which I really like um and I think it's just so well done as a whole I really enjoy it um it makes me cry like I said which is so great and I also really quite enjoy the like meta aspect of it of having like Broadway actors in the show it's very it's a musical for theater people but you can also watch it if you don't really understand how theater works because that's not the entire plot Um, They also really hate Indiana, which I think is so funny, especially because when you look at like when it came out with like politics at the time and also probably politics continuing forward, because I don't really see that changing much. um, It's just a strong critique of the area they're in and telling the story of like many, many small town people from the United States and from honestly all over the world of feeling like you can't come out because your community is so small. And I think it just really perfectly encapsulates 
the life of queer students in high school. And I love it. It's so great. But moving right along, we have the bottom line from Newsies. Now, I don't actually know. I was thinking about this. I don't think I've actually talked about Newsies on this show. But I'm obsessed. I love it. It's great. It was one of the first musicals I actually got into, so it always holds a little special place in my heart. And it's so good. It's really great. <laughs> but one thing I don't like for Newsies is the song The Bottom Line. Um, to put it bluntly, it's kind of boring. If I'm being honest, it loses me. It is a little bit boring. I lose interest because it's a villain song and villain songs can be amazing. They have so much potential, but they're also, I think, so crucial to the plot of a musical that they almost have to be good. And this song is essentially, the role of the song is to explain Pulitzer's plan to raise the price of the newspapers for the newsboys so they have to buy more to sell more uh, and it ultimately puts the newsboys at a disadvantage and it could be so good but it's not they rely heavily on this metaphor of shaving and cutting really close uh, and that would be great if they continued this metaphor on later on in the show like in the bottom line reprise but they don't it's just kind of ended there so that it kind of it's weird it's a bit of a lost cause almost um and then it just tonally doesn't really fit with other songs in the show the show has big uh moments of like a little bit of like a burlesque moment a little bit of jazz some like musical theater elements to it uh there's a lot going on and this kind of is working to combine jazz and musical theater, and it doesn't really do a great job of that, in my opinion. On this, it's also really dialogue heavy. It's not a long song to begin with. And halfway through the song, it gets really focused on dialogue. Like when they're explaining their actual plan, it's all spoken. So that further pulls you out of the song, which I think the song as a whole pulls you out of the musical. And it just doesn't really work great. Right? There's too many combined elements that I think just don't pair well as a whole um which is kind of upsetting because I think like I said villain songs can be really phenomenal uh and I think what the biggest thing that this ends up missing the boat on is it doesn't really make you feel any added emotions about Pulitzer as a villain you know you're not like I wasn't I didn't suddenly hate him so much more or like kind of love him like because villains can be really well done to the point where you really like them. You're not supposed to, but you really like them. Um, and this just kind of made me neutral about him, you know? Like, it wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, man, he's so greedy. He sucks. It was just like, oh, okay. He's decided to raise the newspaper prices now. All right. And that's kind of it. And I feel like it's disappointing. It could have been really interesting, and it just kind of wasn't, which is unfortunate for them. But the rest of the show, I absolutely love. I love Newsies so much. Um, I do love a big, like, dance-heavy, ensemble-based musical, um, and this one combines, like, acro, jazz, tap. I love a good tap solo. Ask anybody if you can incorporate a tap solo into the song. I'm in. I am hooked. I am all in. <laughs> um, and they do it so well, too. The dancing really gets carried through as, like, fighting and also, like, joy, and it's just, it's so good. <laughs> but... Also, what I really love is that they have these really groundbreaking, high-energy dance moments, um, like You Have Seized the Day, which is this huge number with moving props and everything going on, 
But then they also cut to these really small moments between one or two characters. Like they have a couple of monk, um, they have a couple of love songs. They also have individual solos from um, like main character, the main character having a realization moment and changing his perspective. And it's just really interesting to see the flow between these huge like 20 person numbers to solo on one person right after the chaos of everything and I think that really elevates the story and makes you personally connected to the characters a lot more and speaking of being personally connected to the characters what I really think is interesting about this musical is that they do have a huge ensemble but they're really good for making sure that all of the ensemble characters still have a bit of a personality to them like they all have names they all have like I would say that they have specific like character traits to them that really elevate their plotline and elevate their story. So this kind of makes you more attached to the newsboys as a whole and more rooting for them in the cause. And it's just really well done. And as a quick side note, my absolute favorite fact about this musical is that Jeremy Jordan and subsequent people who have been cast to play Jack Kelly. So Jeremy Jordan originated the role on Broadway. And you can tell so clearly that he was cast based on his singing and acting abilities and not his dancing abilities because the character of Jack Kelly is never in a dance for more than 20 seconds. He will be to the side of the stage, simply not on stage at all. He is not in the dance numbers whatsoever, and I think that is hilarious. They very clearly heard Jeremy Jordan sing and went, that's it, and then Jeremy Jordan was like, I can't dance, and they were like, all right, We'll figure it out. <laughs> and it's so funny and makes me chuckle every time you see him walking to the side of the stage when they're breaking out into like pirouettes and flips and kicks. <laughs> it's really funny. But anyways, that was a side story. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on, we have um, House of Holbein from Six, actually. Uh, I've talked about Six numerous times. I love Six. I could not speak its phrases enough. But I don't really love House of Holbein that much. Now, in general, I'm a little bit complicated about this song because I understand why it is in the show. I know that they needed to break up the individual solos of each of the characters in the show. But it's just kind of an annoying song, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I get where they put it. They put it between... So the whole show is based off of the... Divorce, Beheaded, Died, Divorce, Beheaded, Survived. House of Holbein comes right in the middle of that between Died and Divorce, which is a good placement of it. I think it makes sense logistically. I just think the song is really hard to listen to, uh, especially if you're just listening to the soundtrack. Like when you're watching the show, it's a little bit different. When you're just listening to the soundtrack, it's not really that great. It kind of pulls you out a bit more and you're not really connected, I would say. Uh, it's definitely a comedy song, which... Take that as you will. I don't tend to love comedy songs, but they can work really well to further the plot sometimes. This one also, to me, what kind of gets me is they don't really further the plot with this song. It's just a bit of a break above anything else. Um, it's also, in comparison to the other songs, it doesn't really sound nice. Like When you listen to it, it doesn't really physically sound that great. Uh, now, in its defense, I do not think it is supposed to sound great. I don't think it's supposed to compare to 
people hitting whistle notes and runs and being absolutely phenomenal. I think it's supposed to sound like comedic and not that great because they have really heavy German accents and it's a really repetitive song. A lot of the lyrics are just repeating the same two lines. And I think that was absolutely done intentionally. But for me, that kind of pulls me away from it. And I don't really like it as much. Um, but as a whole, I love Six the Musical. As I said, I talk about it all the time. It's one of my favorite shows right now. It's so good. It slaps. It's really great. <laughs> the main thing I love about it, I think historical musicals as a whole can be kind of dicey. Like they can either be really great or kind of boring. Uh, and it ultimately all depends on what they're adding to the story. And what Six does really well is they're not just adding to the story, they're like changing it. They're bringing in this whole new perspective of the six wives of Henry VIII, and they're elaborating on their lives. They're not talking about Henry. So it's this whole new perspective that we haven't really seen before in history. And I think that that's so brilliant and it's so well done. Like it's pulled, it, they pull it off so well. Um, and I love it. Uh, and it really works as a historical musical that way. It's not getting lost in the history. It's also, it's adding new elements to the show as well. And I think part of what I absolutely love is that it just has these amazing messages throughout the show about being a woman throughout history and like how some of the things they like some of the things experienced by women in the 1500s are still being commented on today. Um, and beyond that, just kind of the natural instinct to compare women in a group. Um, it's so good, but they also what they do really, really well with these really deep messages is they aren't compromising the show or compromising any plot or song to come to put across these messages. It's never feeling forced. It's never really like in your face. This is what you're supposed to think. It's all up for interpretation, but it's still like a pretty clear interpretation of it. And I absolutely love that. Um, and just kind of beyond that in general, it's a really refreshing show. It's a 90 minute runtime which is really short compared to most shows. It doesn't have an intermission. So you're, you sit down, you watch the whole thing, and then you head out. And it only has a cast of six people, like I said, so it's really intimate and really it's easy to connect with the characters of the show. And overall, it runs like a concert, I would argue. It's a concert vibe more than a musical, which is really interesting. Uh, and one last thing that I really love that they actually did in the West End, but not on Broadway, was they had one song at the end of the whole show. There was a little bit of, like, elements from each of the songs that they sang throughout the show uh, at the very end, and you could record it. So it was really it was free promotion, arguably. That's how I first heard about the musical. It was through these, like, it's called Mega Six, and that's how you would hear about it. Um, and it was really great. It was very, very well done. It, you could film it. You could rewatch it. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see it before they implemented in... Uh, North America, there's a regulation on Broadway that they had to take that out, so you can't record that song anymore. Um, and I was fortunate enough to see it in North America before that rule was put in place, so I actually have a recording of it, which was awesome. And um, I think that's actually really well done. Uh, having that song at the end, too, it's like a nice little reminder of what you just saw. It gets everybody up on their feet and clapping, and it's just really awesome. It's kind of like an encore to really add to that concert feel of everything. And lastly on the list we have today for you from Rent. Uh, I think I, I think Rent is another musical that I actually don't think I've talked about on the show, but I have a lot of conflicting opinions about Rent. As a whole, I really like the musical, 
but I really, really don't like Today For You, if I'm being completely honest. I think the problem is, and this is an issue that a lot of sung through musicals run into, is when you have a musical that is completely sung through, sometimes the songs are sacrificed in the name of moving the plot forwards. You can't have breaks of dialogue, so every song needs to be adding elements of pushing the plot forwards, advancing it. And where that kind of hurts today for you is that there's too much going on in this one song for it to be as short as it is. Because it's not, it has a three and a half minute runtime. So it's not that short, but it's also not as long as other songs even within the musical. Like La Vie Bohème, which is super long, I think it is about eight minutes. So, and it incorporates more plot points than La Vie Bohème, which is double the length of the of today for you. But within this one song alone, you're seeing the official in-person reunion of Collins, Mark, and Roger, as well as also meeting Angel in full drag for the first time, as well as setting up her view on the world and the AIDS crisis, living as um, as a queer person with AIDS at the time, uh, and seeing Roger's perspective on the AIDS crisis come into play a lot more and how he's a lot more negative about everything than everyone else is. And finally, also seeing, uh, also further promoting Angel and Colin's relationship. That's so many things to push in one song. And it just sac- it's get it makes it so that it's hard to listen to because there's weird inflex of dialogue and there's weird inputs of dialogue to make sure that these points are getting put across. And it also has a very repetitive chorus of just saying today for you, tomorrow for me. Um, and at the end of the day, what I think the biggest, biggest thing about this song is, is that really ultimately what is the deciding factor of if it's going to be done well or not is who is singing the song at the end of the day. Like the original Broadway cast with Wilson Jermaine Heredia was a really well done, it was a good performance, but subsequent performances with um, Valentina in Rent Live wasn't as good because she wasn't as talented of a singer, so it definitely, it sounded a little bit worse, and that is where you got bored. It wasn't as interesting, and it was harder to focus on, and it just didn't sound as good because it's so repetitive within that today for you, tomorrow for me, is said maybe 50 times in the song. And it's so much that if you are not really great at, I think, captivating an audience, it just gets lost. And the sh- and trying to get viewer focus is just gone and done, which is really unfortunate. Uh, and lastly, this was something more weird that I noticed with the original cast album that I haven't noticed with subsequent albums released, is that there's like this weird echo on the actor's voice during the chorus of the song. Um, I don't know if that was actually done during the performances or if that was something they just added into the cast recording, but it's kind of weird because the rest of the musical and the rest of this song has a really raw, emotional, vulnerable point to it. So having that like echoey auto tune almost kind of just takes away from it and kind of it like pulls you out. It hinders the song a little bit. So I didn't really love that addition. I hope they didn't have that in the original version of it, but. Regardless, they've since taken it out, which is good. Uh, But aside from that, I actually really do love Rent as a whole. I think it's a really great musical. It's 
so critically acclaimed. They do not need me sitting here telling you how good it is, but I'm going to tell you anyways because I loved it and I love talking about how good it is. Um, but it's a really timeless musical, especially right now, uh, because you have the storyline of talking about the experience of queer culture in the 90s in New York, where so many people were dying from a disease that was just fully ignored by the government. So you saw all of these characters coming together because they or immediate friends of theirs were handed this death sentence so casually because of one thing that they did wrong. And it really portrays the vulnerability of being sick and the vulnerability of being forced to rely on others while also being scared because this disease, people didn't really know much about AIDS at the time. And it's really, really well portrayed. The, the, all of those sentiments that I just talked about are really well conveyed. Like I've never seen Rent physically in person. I've never seen it on a stage and I can still pick up on those emotions and that tone and those themes just from listening to the soundtrack of it, which is really phenomenal. Um, you also have very iconic characters. Um, I will mention my queen, Maureen Johnson, who is a little bit problematic, but I love her. Uh, an iconic, iconic music, uh, including Take Me or Leave Me, which is such a powerful Broadway song and one of the biggest Broadway songs I would argue ever in 525,600 minutes that is sung all the time and like everyone knows the words to that song. It is such a classic musical theater song which just speaks to how iconic the show is as a whole. Um, lastly, what I love, I am a total sucker for having a happy love story duet in Act 1 that turns into a sad solo reprise in Act 2. Um, and honestly, Rent wrote the book on how to do that. It's amazing. I'll cover you. It's so good. I highly recommend you listen to I'll Cover You and then I'll Cover You Reprise because it's phenomenally done. And you've seen other musicals since then try and copy it. And it's really great. Like Rent really, in my opinion, was the show that initiated this and that pushed this. And it's phenomenal. They do it so well. Alrighty, folks, that is the end of this week's episode. Uh, thank you so very much for tuning in. I had such a blast talking about this, and I thought it was really fun to do this kind of series style of things. Um, if you had any songs that you were like, oh, dang, I really wish she talked about this one song because I can't listen to it ever, but she didn't mention it, let us know. Let us know on Twitter at Generation Bway or on Instagram at Generation Broadway. Both of those handles are just one word. And absolutely let us know. I would love to, maybe if I get enough responses, I could do a sequel to this and talk about what songs you guys really don't like or really do like for musicals. I think that'd be really cool. Um, also, please join us next week where I am starting. I'm going to do one episode kind of every month doing a deep dive into a specific musical. And next week I am going into Mamma Mia, which is one of my favorite musicals. And it's going to be such a blast. So please make sure to tune in. And with that, I will see you guys next week.